This is Unbroken, healing through storytelling. Just to let you know, we have a vodcast on YouTube where you can watch the edited highlights of the episode. And don't forget to subscribe. If you fancy the full audio version, symbols, just keep listening. Oh, and if you've got a second, please give us five stars and a review. It really helps us stand out and get this important message to even more people that need to hear it the most. Meantime, enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Anna Draveland. She is a disabled stroke survivor. Among many challenges, she has endured and founder of Spread Goodness Day, a non-profit event started in 2017 dedicated to empowering world change through goodness and making the future so bright we all need shades. <laughs> the event came up on March the 11th, 2022 and has spread hundreds of thousands of acts of goodness throughout the world. A 2014 graduate of Northern Michigan University, Anna's commitment to world change was lit during college as she dove into the works of volunteering and non-profits. Those passion-fueled volunteer activities led to her career in marketing, event promotion and community relations. Prior to her injury, she worked for Travel Marquette, enticing visitors to share the beauty of her hometown. Her passion now is inspiring people to survive with goodness bringing the powerful healing energy of kindness to their lives. Okay, I can be okay if I'm in a wheelchair. If I never dance around again, that's okay. If I never sing again, I'll be okay. Is this the good tears or the bad <laughs> tears? Because so many amazing things were happening as alongside these just tragic experiences and challenges. There's truly a uh, magnificent world of kindness and uh, doers and world changers out there that I don't think anybody realizes how powerful and how large that network is. I wouldn't underestimate what you're doing. To me, you really are a lighthouse. So welcome, Anna, for joining us. I know it's very early in the morning over <laughs> in Michigan, so I'm very grateful for you getting up at this horrible hour for you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I've really looked forward to speaking with you and I've enjoyed uh, the message you're sharing and the empowerment behind it. I think that's really incredible to me to, to spread that energy. So, oh, so thank you for having me. You're absolutely welcome. So because my show is called Unbroken, the very first question I always ask every guest is, what does the word unbroken mean to you, Anna? Um, I think I have a personally kind of funny relationship with that word. Uh, just because uh, I think that I am broken, I, but I think I've, I've broken so many times. I think of it, I, I try to think of it anyways for my, my own sanity and sake as more of like the Japanese version of broken, mm. where um, I've broken over and over again, but I try to fill the, the cracks with, with as much gold and some as much warmth and strength as I can to piece myself back together. And that doesn't mean I'm the same. Like you might be a little more fragile. I, I broke, right? We, but our human bodies break. That's just, we know this, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think I broke mentally at least 50 times in my life. Uh, but I think that every break sort of, as I mended myself together and was more fragile with myself, made it feel more comfortable and more okay with the idea of being broken mm -hmm. the idea of my body breaking or my mind not being able to withstand the pain or the the mental uh energy and and uh, endurance you need to go through really long-term situations so i kind of see unbroken as a 
somewhat of an idealist uh, thing. I, I don't think it's okay. I think it's okay to be broken as long as you can put yourself together and, and, re- and respect the, the cracks, you know? Yeah. And the Japanese um, art that you're speaking to about is kintsugi, isn't it? Where they, they fill in the pieces is. with gold. And we're not the same as when we were broken, but we actually are yeah. more beautiful. So I think that is just a, a beautiful description because you've had yeah. a lot of um, medical issues apart from your stroke. You, yes. You've had a lot. Could you tell us a little bit? I know you're not all your medical Absolutely. conditions and I know you're not your body, yeah. but you do, you know, send the bio as a disabled stroke survivor. So just be interesting to hear yes. all of the complications that you've had. Um, well, to, to give you the cliff notes of things, um, uh, the, you know, I have the, the stroke uh, caused me a variety of speech deficits. I was, I was paralyzed fully on the right side of my body. I couldn't speak and I, I didn't remember my last name. I couldn't have did a picture of a cat. So, um, the stroke itself was about like a complete life change. I, uh, it, it was like having to accept the loss of a million things over and over and over again over the, the years as you recover because you don't really learn with a brain injury what you can't do yeah. until you do it, until you go out there and use your energy and your cognitive strength. And, and, and world, how old were uh, you when this happened? You were quite young, weren't you? Uh, yes, I was uh, 34. Uh, so it was just about just about four and a half years ago we're coming up on five years so when we um, look at you now obviously you you say you had to learn to walk again and speak again mm-hmm. what was that process like I mean how long did all that take because it's hard to imagine you now not speaking uh same I think the process for me mentally that was one of the times I broke I didn't want anybody to open the windows I didn't want my contacts I didn't want my glasses I was trying to process myself to say okay I can be okay if I'm in a wheelchair. If I never dance around again, that's okay. If I never sing again, I'll be okay. If I never work again, I'll, no matter how bad it is, it's going to be okay. But it was it was completely devastating. Um, but I was very blessed, so blessed. I have so much love in my life. My community itself exploded so much love at me when they found out what was happening. My room was filled with flowers. I always had visitors. Um, and immediately there was just this, this amazing healing energy coming to me and it was filled with love and goodness. And, um, so I think my mom called out, she said, so I started talking about the good tears and the bad tears. Mm-hmm. I was crying so often that she would come and she'd say, Oh boy, is this the good tears or the bad <laughs> tears? Cause so many amazing things were happening as alongside these just tragic, uh, experiences and uh, and challenges. So I was. I like, like that to hear. Are these the good tears or the bad tears? Because even now, when I talk, listening to you, you know, I'm I'm getting the good tears just to hear all that goodness yeah. and and that love and how supported. Because I know yeah. you started your spread goodness day just before you had this very rare stroke, didn't you? So that was already it around did. for you, and then it, it was coming back to you after you had the stroke. You felt oh. all the goodness. So it just reinforced, I would imagine, what you already believed. Um, before I started even studying the science of, of kindness and goodness, so many people, because I had Spread Goodness Day ready to go and built, we just had to get it out. We just had to let people know and invite them, right? Um, and 
you know, when you have a tragic experience like that and you're facing the loss of everything in your life, um, the, the things that you really want become very clear. And I woke up with, with spread goodness day on my mind and my job. I loved my job. Everybody said they were sure spread goodness day was part of my healing, that having that positivity and that drive to make it happen healed me. And I can say like through, through learning the science of how kindness affects your body physically and the people around you physically, your mentally, mentally as well with endorphins and serotonin and oxytocin and all this stuff. Um, it's became so empowering, um, to know that even if I'm in the hospital, I can trickle something out onto social media to make something an impact. So um, you, you believe so, what people were telling you that this did form part of your healing. Absolutely. I, I thousand percent believe that, um, I would have, I, I would, probably still have recovered. I have a a good support system, but man, this brought me so much, (laughs) like not, 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 not financially, but meeting people all over the world, finding do-gooders and how many amazing people are doing so many amazing things with or without any deficits. There's, there's truly a magnificent world of kindness and uh, doers and world changers out there that I don't think anybody realizes how powerful and how large that network is. And that's so beautiful Um, to hear because I think as human beings, a lot of people, we focus in on the negative, don't we? And we we think it's all bad. But as you say, there's so much goodness as well. And there's there's so many wonderful humans out there as well doing good. Um, And that is something that is very healthy for me to embrace as I face, I'm facing other challenges now. Um, I've had um, significant rare migraines that cause seizure-like activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I just yesterday booked, got reconstruction surgery with the only team of specialists in the world that does it. (laughs) Uh, They invented the surgery, actually. Reconstruction for what? This is for your abdominal surgeries? Yes. Well, I have, it turns out I have a rare birth defect where my intestines are free floating. My small intestines are crushed into the small septum on my left. Mm-hmm. My larger colon is very large and my appendix is on the left instead of the right. You don't do things um, by half really, do you? <laughs> no, we just, that my family and the doctors, even at this point are like, we're just like, nobody else is made like me. I had a surgery and brain surgery at 21 um, for another rare birth defect. Um, so my body, uh, you know, and I was born like this, I was born a little bit broken. And and is it all bad luck or are all these medical conditions linked in some way or, or they're just all individual different things happening to you? Or they don't know. Uh, no, 100% separate, 100% separate. We think the stroke might've been like the scar tissue from the brain t- surgery might've uh, allowed that a little more tightness to make it more likely for the, the artery to tear in half. But, um, but they're all just random freak things. Uh, so to be mad at it or to, I don't really try to get mad at it. And people say, why me or why God, why? And I'm like, well, no, I know exactly what happened. I was, I was born with some dirt birth defects, had an accident and it caused stroke. Um, none of this it feels like something the world did to me. It's just, we all break. 
And as you learn, as you speak to all these people, you know that too. We all have our, our crosses to bear and some of them are perceived as much more difficult than others. But I think that it's, I've, I've learned and I try to respect this when people say, well, what they tell me what they're going through. And then they say, well, it's, it's nothing like what you're going through. I know. I know. And I'm like, dude, like don't negate your negative experiences. I know. And, it, and it's not, it's, I always think it's not a pain Olympics. It's not a competition. Is no. It? <laughs> and I tell them, you know, I, I remind them, you know, as we grow and as we're children, even the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And that includes the first time you fight with your best friend in third grade and the tragic tears that causes the first time you break up with a boyfriend and you lose the first love or the first time you lose a family member. Mm-hmm. But like the, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So I try to respect those experiences in people and encourage them to, to respect them in themselves because, mm-hmm. because of my challenges are worse or more or harder. I, it doesn't mean that you're not going through the same level of mental strife or adapt- adaptation that, that I have had, you know? I think it's people make assumptions, don't they? When they hear what you've been through, they assume that you'd never be positive again, you'd never be upbeat, you'd never get past it. But I know we were having a little conversation before we went on air and your childhood was not the easiest of childhood either, really, was it? No. Um, Can you there speak was... a little bit about that? Yeah, I won't go into too much detail, uh, but um, I was uh, sexually and physically abused um, by someone uh, who was close, uh, and it created a lot of confusion in how I grew up, and and I didn't understand what was happening to me. I was too young. I understand the physical abuse, but um, I didn't understand the, the sexual abuse until I was much older. Well, I think as children, um, we don't have the vocabulary for it, really, do we? We we kind of get a sense it's no. not quite right, but we, it's so hard to put it into words, yeah. isn't it? It is. And I'm actually the one that stopped it. Um, I, at nine, I said, I, 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 I won't let you do this anymore. Um, so um, it, uh, I'm, that, that those ex- ex- situations and, and growing up with that and, and hiding it mm-hmm. from my family and hiding it from people uh, partially just because I didn't understand it. I, I didn't hide it on purpose at that age. But um, as I got older, I was very angry. So I was a, a raging alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I was ready to drink and fight and party. And that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> How yeah, I, I used to be, yes. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I totally exactly. resonates with me, yeah. <laughs> because it's so much easier to put the hurt onto us, really, isn't it, than face it. And we can only face it when we're really ready to face it. Um, and I don't think I even really knew what I needed to face yet, yeah. right? It was just the lifestyle that I fell into, and I thought it was normal. So now I'm 38, and I look back at it, and I'm like, whoa, that was super abnormal. Like my mom saying to me, I'm concerned about your drinking, <laughs> and me saying, Psh, mom, I only get drunk four nights a week. I only have one or two the other three nights. And I, that literally sounded sane to me at that it, time. It, it seems like, I'm like, oh. Yeah, it was just your way of dealing with it. And maybe obviously now in different eyes we see not dealing, but it was just, for me, it was just a way to numb out and just push it away and forget about it. And so 
alcohol was a great friend to me and drugs were a great friend because I didn't need to think I could mm-hmm. push it inside. So, yes, it was now you see an abnormal reaction, but, it, you know, an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is very normal. It is. And to learn that, I think, I think therapy is such a valuable tool. Um, I think a lot of people avoid it because of stigma. And I feel like Oprah, I'm like, you get therapy and you get therapy. Everybody get therapy because I've gotten such value out of it, of learning, being able to look back at what I experienced and how I developed and these stages and to process them in a way to correct my, my thinking and to correct uh, the mediating thoughts that are going on in my mind and react- reactionariness to triggers. Because when you've gone through so much and it's the span of your whole life, both, both uh, abuse, both, phys- you know, every version of abuse, I've also ended up with a man that was living a double life. <laughs> um, and I ended up homeless and all this stuff. Uh, I was naive and I believed what people said. Yeah. Um, and so, and the, those, that made me a very vulnerable character to somebody like that. Um, so I feel, I mean, I, all I, that you I, have had to deal with could be the life <laughs> of about 20 people. It is. And so yeah. sometimes it's hard to narrow down how to tell a story because it's been my whole life. And I, but I can say that there's, as long as I really can find any light. If, if I get outside, get outside once a day, if I, as long as I can get my dog out or, or do anything good to, to pull my energy away in a healthy way to pull, to pull positive chemicals into my body. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I do happens in hospitals and ERs because I'm in there and I'm like, I don't want to, you don't want to be there. You don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. So I put on some music and I go on my Facebook or my social media and I try to make something happen. Um, and I've been blessed to have an audience and a support uh, world mm-hmm. that they, they do it and they catch on. And I say, you want to go donate clothes for winter? Just go to this place and drop them all off. Um, and they go do it. And uh, there's this weird illusion that I'm out there doing a lot of things. I'm not. Um, I'm at home most of the time or, or I'm caring for my body and my, my life. Um, I'm, all I'm doing is inviting people to do things. Um, and uh, they give me all the credit for it. <laughs> well, I think, no. but I, I wouldn't underestimate what you're doing. To me, you really are a lighthouse. You know, you have this beautiful light and you're shining up the path for other people. You are being a lighthouse. It's strong and steady and full of light for people that are lost and showing them. However, whatever situation you're in, there's always light. There's always goodness. And it's okay to acknowledge the dark. I'm actually really happy to have broken so many times and to have these things that really push at me and really hurt me and knock me on my knees pretty regularly so for people listening in to hear you say i'm really happy to have these difficult times that broke me it would be hard for people to i think make sense of that wouldn't it 
Yes. And to help, to help clarify it, it's, I wouldn't want this. I wouldn't wish this on somebody for, so they can feel empowered and find themselves. <laughs> There's ways to find yourselves without a massive stroke or reconstruction surgery or other surgery, everything is I don't want anybody to have the illusion that I'm happy all the time or that I, that this isn't challenging and that I don't cry pretty much every day. Um, it, it, it pushes my mental and physical endurance every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm smiling and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing and I'm, and I am happy in a lot of ways, but it's despite it, it's, a, it's, it's working around it and working through it to find ways to be, to, to find some gold in your cracks and, yeah. um, and not, not just live as broken pieces, mm-hmm. you know? I spoke um, to someone yesterday whose episode will be just before your woman called Raga and she was talking about the quote, um, be the change you want to see in the world, but yeah. she changes it to be the love you want to see in the world. And, and it's a very similar feeling when I speak to you that it is really about love, isn't it? You can call it goodness or kindness goodness, or compassion, love. but it's love really at the end of the day, love for yourself and love for your fellow human beings and the, the changes Absolutely. you can make. Um, and, and understanding that you actually have a lot more power to impact that in your own life. Yeah. And you realize that, that you actually can choose to take action. Uh, and it might feel uncomfortable and funny at, at first to go out of your comfort zone. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of uh, nonprofits, the projects, purposes, books, everything to to help help to try to feed your mind these things that empower you. And I think at the end of the day, that's what I want other people that are hurting and stuff and struggling, especially with these crazy chronic conditions. This stomach thing took me three years, and they just passed me around and were like, "We don't know what to do." <laughs> and this um, is it's called intestinal mal. Rotation, isn't it? I think I looked it mm-hmm. up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and yep. And I've got a good old plastic past bad case of it. <laughs> um, so I want people, I don't want people to feel like because they're broken or because they're mentally struggling, that they still can't have impact on themselves and that they can, they can have impact on the world. And, and that impact when you put, I swear to you, you put good out there. It's true. It really um, comes full circle a lot. Yeah, it doesn't, it not, not necessarily when you expect it or want it, <laughs> but it really does. But I think it's so important as well that, you know, that you are honest and you say, I do cry every day and I, and I do struggle mm-hmm. and I have to work my way around my symptoms or my body. It's, it's an important message that despite all of that, you can still be okay because it's really, it's about being very present and grounded, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, finding, and finding some peace in yourself, um, whether it's through God and faith or through just nature or just a just being a heart like keeping at your center don't swing don't swing too far either way yeah. uh, enjoy it, it it's hard though isn't it to stay centered or grounded it, we can get knocked off oh, yeah. so easily and we can run with it so what is what centers you what's your anchor um i think uh, i i do have sort of a non-denominational faith and um i've been i've been shown so many blessings and miracles i don't know how to not believe that there's power in the world well just the very um, fact that you exist i think is a 
pretty mm-hmm. much a miracle, really, isn't it, to have this very rare stroke and then all the other conditions. Yeah. The fact like that my, you're still walking this planet is a miracle. The, so the incredible support I have around me. Um, I have a very grounded family, and my my family and support system is very stable. Mm-hmm. And um, they, gra- well, I guess I should say the gratitude I get from having that and having a support system that even when I'm physically incapable of caring for myself, I, I know I'll never be homeless and I know I'll never have to truly go without food. And um, that is such a powerful thing um, to be connected to. Um, it's at the very, very core about survival, right? All we really need in this world is survival and what, and then whatever our experiences are. Uh, the, the base minimum is, enough to eat and some shelter and um and then whatever else you get is just gravy absolutely so. uh, i've been going to see a, a teacher of life for many years a man named imaho and what you just said is really resonates with me because he said really all we need is air water and food mm-hmm. everything else is christmas presents yeah. and it's just and- exactly what you said the gravy and it's like yeah you, if yeah. we get love if we get relationships if we get a good home it's just christmas presents but we really just need air water and food and as soon as you can disconnect yourself from the i've been i mean the medical system itself there was a, a very weird situation where they were essentially medically gaslighted me um, and when i found out what was happening mm-hmm. I started asking the doctors questions and giving them the opportunity to correct their behavior. Um, And in those times, I mean, there was times that I was not peaceful to get here. I feel like I had to break a million times Mm -hmm. to get to this peaceful place because I realized how badly I was hurting myself by letting myself to lose my peace. Can you say the anger more about what you mean by how they gaslit you, the medical profession? Yes, um, I can't. Uh, from the beginning of my stroke, there was um, just a few medical professionals that I was working with that mm-hmm. were saying something different to me and putting something in my records that was completely different. They were saying that I was manifesting different stroke systems, oh. symptoms that... I was either faking them on real for on purpose or because I'm crazy. And um, nobody was saying that to me or my family. Uh, and all that was very normal. My father has had a stroke. We've mm-hmm. we've gone through it. The therapist, everything I was dealing with was very in line with what the treatments I was getting and the conversations I was having. Um, and over time, I started to real, uh, realize this kind of abusive conversation and this dismissive conversation. And I finally started to question it and be like, where is this coming from? Like, why are we talking about this and not this? And I actually recorded several conversations from some of the doctors to try to prove that they were lying and that they were violating American Stroke Association. Um, But how awful when you're at your most vulnerable to not feel supported and actually to be told you're lying or you're crazy. Uh, absolutely. And it's not actually know that that's what they had written in my records. Mm-hmm. It took me, it was about a year and a half after the stroke where I started con- knowing and confronting doctors and I'm respectful. I'm very kind in how I, I give them room to make errors. They wrote in that I was bulimic 
that I didn't really have speech problems because I was sing-songy. My therapist told me if I couldn't get the words out to sing because Mm -hmm. they come from different parts of your brain and I couldn't talk or ask to go to the bathroom. So I was using the therapist tool. Um, and they, they wrote that it was all made up because of that. Uh, and that I, w- I told them I wasn't bulimic. I'm just thin. Mm-hmm. You can look at my whole history. And I, I like, I like food. I don't like growing up. Um, they, and then they wrote, she said, we're not bulimic. She's not bulimic, but we don't believe her. Um, she's turned down medicine. She won't do this. And I was like, this is so inaccurate. This is horrible. This explains every single thing that's mm-hmm. happened to me since the stroke, the dismissive ER visits them ignoring I had gas poisoning. I couldn't walk. I was hallucinating. They said, aren't you here for the third time for the same thing? We found the gas leak. Mm-hmm. I would have died. <laughs> um, so but you have a good team now, I hope. <laughs> I do. And what the blessing in this is that there was a few honest doctors that started to tip me off. Um, they gave me some tip offs of what was in the records. And that gave me the ability to go in my records and see the problem. Um, I, I was past the two-year statute of limitations to file medical malpractice. Okay. Um, medic, Michigan doctors are some of the most protected doctors. In we the don't state, have the statute of limitations here in the UK, but yeah. uh, so that's, yeah, that's Michigan, very hard to hear that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was brutal to find out in that moment when I had just discovered what had happened. Um, so luckily one of the doctors that was part of the problem admitted, he, he admitted it. Um, he told me the errors he made, why he made them, that he was influenced by older, more experienced doctors, so his perception of the older doctor and, uh, that I was the first patient he ever saw. He was a, a neuropsychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw me for a year after that. And he said, I changed my mind and I'm so sorry. I was so wrong. Good. I'm so wrong. I, but the I, same thing, I, we had a conversation where we both cried in an appointment where I, we, I confronted him and he very humbly explained the mistakes he made and how horrified he was at the damage that he did to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can imagine you to- again already can see the beauty that comes out of this, that he had a I, huge yeah. learning and, and you were able to find your voice and kind of fight your corner as well. And just having that one doctor involved that was culpable made it possible for me to stand up to the other ones that were not taking accountability, which Mm -hmm. still I haven't gotten any true resolution, but um, I've got, I'm not thrown quite as hard by things anymore. And, um, and I've learned, I've been trained to speak to doctors so that they will not see me as a 30 something woman with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a real thing, which is a real problem. And uh, so that's the short, that's the short version of everything. But, it's but what, been... is, what is good to hear is that there's no bitterness when you tell these stories. There's no drama. Mm. You just say it as it is. I mean, you think if it, well, I imagine if it was quite a few other people, they would still be so angry and holding on to all that resentment, but you are able just to peacefully just kind of let it be. Well, I am still angry. And sometimes I get so angry, I think about releasing the tapes mm-hmm. <laughs> and just throwing the poo at the fan and watching it fly. But mm-hmm. uh, my, my piece is important to me. And I have to acknowledge the value either way. Um, will it will it make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Um, so I'm actually in the process of really truly learning to let it go and know that I've done my job to educate them respectfully and kindly. And if they, I, I and we pray, we pray that they receive that message over time that as they see other patients and realize that what I was going through was completely normal mm-hmm. um, for what I was going through, um, that they'll at least not hurt other people. Well, we know yeah. that has happened with at least one of the doctors, and I'm hoping that mm-hmm. the ripple effect from what he has now learned will be trickled down to his colleagues. So we are kind of coming to the end yeah. of your yeah. <laughs> incredible story. Um, what wisdom or what advice would you like to leave people with or what would you like to say that we haven't touched upon well i guess my question to you would be is um do you find that your audience is more the people like me or people that are curious about people like me oh you're asking me a question i think you know yeah the most of the people that listen in are just amazed at what human beings are capable of and how they can overcome stuff and that's really why i share the stories because i think if a story's heard at the right time in someone's life, you know, it can really light up the path. And that kind of goes back to what I said. You are just this beautiful lighthouse. You are showing people that, yes, I am angry, but what good will it do me to really throw the shit at the fan right now? You know, what will it do? So we, we say shit in England. It's okay, Scotland. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> um, I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> oh, it's fine. You know, and it's good for you to say, I do get angry, but I can hold steady with it and just let that be. And for my own sanity, I need to be peace and I need to be calm. And I, I need to just emanate that kindness that I talk about for myself as well as to other people. And your message is really important. And that it takes steps sometimes and to not feel awful that you broke down, that you, that you, that you can move forward from it. You, it can get easier, to, you know, just hold on. Right. And um, I think the the biggest message that I really want people to feel, whether they struggle with these things or not, um, is that you're powerful and that I really do know um, I can't change the physical deficits, but I can choose how I move through them mentally. Um, I can choose not to become bitter and uh, choose to just accept that my body is breaking in the way that my body is going to break. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm not going to stop trying to make Spread Goodness Day the biggest thing I can. I'm not going to stop trying to encourage people to find their, their, whatever empowers them in the world Mm -hmm. that makes them feel like they can change the whole world. Cause I I think everybody really has the capability of changing the world. Um, You just got to find your version of it. And um, that's it. I I think that feeling, uh, and, and, you know, this is for, for people, whether you have a disability or you're one of the people that don't and one of the people that aren't suffering, do not let the world convince you that you're not powerful and do not let the world convince you or beat you down and say, you're, you have to fit in this box. I've been told by a neurologist, you don't fit in the box. Good. And that I would um, say. I was, I was like, how could I fit in a box? My brain is not like any other humans in the world. That this this world and these systems that we have set up are are not great. They fail sometimes, and you can't let the pushback make you stay in your seat. Because um, there's going to be pushback, and there's going to be people that say that you can't or sh- can't shouldn't 
do things that that could be really impactful because it does feel a little weird sometimes when you put yourself out in that way um but don't let the challenges convince you to stay down um the world wants you to when you're on disability the world wants you to sit down shut up and look sick period they don't want you to have joy they don't want you to have vacations if you look like my sister gave me an iphone as a gift i'm on disability people always oh, she's on disability and she's got a fancy iphone <laughs> um we can trade um so the world will push back at you it will try to challenge you it will try to break you and make you more broken or to stay broken is that what they expect from you or want from you um so don't let them good i think that don't that is a perfect place to end do not let them and people mm-hmm. can find more about you from your website spreadgoodnessday.com and and i'll stick it in the show notes as well but just leaves me to thank you anna so much for coming on the podcast unbroken and sharing your story with me and getting up at this awful hour as well mm-hmm. i'm going back to bed and oh. in my pajama pants <laughs> <laughs> thank you unbroken healing through storytelling if you haven't already go on download subscribe give us a five-star rating it really helps us get this important and life-changing message out to as many people as possible there is already a selection of fantastic episodes to choose from and a brand new one coming soon unbroken healing through storytelling playing now on all the main platforms including apple podcasts spotify stitcher for android google podcasts amazon music and here play unbroken the podcast with Madeline Black.